Welcome to Catholic Conversations. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today I'm going to be going over one last sermon of St. Vincent Ferrer. Well, one not one last like ever, but one last one for now. I'll come back later. But this is uh, the sermon for the Feast of the Baptism of Our Lord, which is today, uh, January 13th. And I will be doing this one. It'll be the last day of the octave of the Epiphany. And then starting next week, I'll go back to my regularly scheduled programming. Uh, let me know what you think about the sermons uh, down below. Do you like them? Do you not like them? Should I continue doing them? Should I stop doing them? Let me know uh, what you think, what you want. It's all for you anyway. Uh, and would you be interested in if I did a series of videos on basically uh, tradition 101, like how to use a missile, how to do uh, what to do when you go to the, your first Latin mass, that kind of thing, like a RCIA for tradition kind of thing. I'm not an expert. I don't claim to be, but uh, no one's really doing that kind of thing. And I don't know if that's something that people uh, need or want. So let me know. Comment down below if you're watching on YouTube or shoot me an email at fonsecaproduction at gmail.com. The commenting down below is probably the fastest way to get a hold of me, but there you go. All right, without further ado, let's begin, and we will um, begin with the with the sermon, and we'll come back after afterwards. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. The Octave of the Epiphany, St. Vincent Ferrer's Sermon on the Baptism of Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan, unto John to be baptized by him. But John stayed him, saying, I ought to be baptized by thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said to him, Suffer it to be so now, for so it becometh us to fulfill all justice. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, being baptized, forthwith came out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I ought to be baptized by you. In today's gospel, Holy Mother Church today celebrates the feast of the baptism of Christ, about which today's gospel speaks, how Christ was baptized by St. John. And our sermon shall be about this. We have a number of good speculative teachings to enlighten the intellect and moral instructions for the correction of life. But first, let the Virgin Mary be held. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In this present sermon, I have thought to follow the ways of jurists, who in their schools, when they, were, were, when they want to read or dispute, first set forth the case of law, then ask the, how the law applies. So first I shall recite the case of divine law, the story of the Holy Gospel. Then I shall posit some speculative and moral questions. The Gospel story tells how Christ came from the home, the town of Nazareth to John at the Jordan, that he might be baptized by him. The Holy Spirit revealed to John that this man was a savior of the world, true God and true man. On account of which John in wonder spoke reverently the theme text, I ought to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Christ said to him, Suffer it be so now, for so it becomes us to fulfill all justice. Christ did not speak pompously as for as from the Lord, but he spoke personally as himself to John, saying, So though through humility it is fitting that we fulfill all justice. Christ humbled himself, becoming obedient unto death. Behold here the total fulfillment of justice in human redemption. Gregory the Great said, It would be it would be benefit us nothing unless we had been redeemed. 
Behold, John also was humble to fulfill the command of Christ that he be baptized. And trembling all over, he baptized Christ. The church, the Baptist, trembled and dared not touch the holy crown of the head of God. With a shudder, he cried out, Sanctify me, Savior. Jesus used this form in baptizing Christ. Morally, we, hear, we are here instructed by this, that John is so holy himself about whom Christ said, Among them there are born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, dared not touch Christ. Note here how great ought to be the purity and good life of priests who have to touch Christ in the sacrament of the altar. And so Holy Scripture says, The priests that come to the Lord, let them be sanctified, lest he strike them. Also the laity are not to approach the altars. One who is not of the family of Aaron, not a priest, who come forward is to be killed. If what is said is in the old law is true, holier and more worthy is the altar of the new law than the old. How much more dignified is Christ, who is sacrificed on the altar of the New Testament, than a lamb who is sacrificed on the altar of the Old Testament? So the altar of the New Testament is of a greater dignity. I argue now from the lesser to the greater. If then there was a punishment of death for one who approached the altar by leaning on it, if it is said, never can a man kiss the altar, I reply always reverently. But it would be better to kiss the ground next to the altar where the feet of the priest stand. Be you humble, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in the time of visitation. Tell of how the hand of the divine persons or power humbles and brings low the proud and exalts the humble. Now, having stated the case of the gospel law, some questions have to be raised. What law applies? And I raise five questions for discussion. One, why did Christ come to be baptized? First about this, where the gospel says Jesus comes to Galilee to the Jordan. To John to be baptized by him. It is asked, why did Christ wish to be baptized? The reason for this, for this question is because baptism is given primarily against holy original sin and also against actual sin if there are any. But Christ did not have any sin, neither original nor actual, who did no sin. Therefore, it seems that he ought not to be baptized. I reply that Christ wished to be baptized, not that he might receive something from baptism. We receive from baptism various spiritual gifts, the remission of sin, sanctification, virtues and graces, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the infused moral virtues. Christ receives none of these from baptism. He wished rather to receive baptism so that he might give to baptism regenerative power. As Bede says in his homily for today, the Son of God comes to be baptized by a man in the water of the Jordan. He who, <clears throat> who is pure of all uncleanliness, that washing the filth of our sin, he might sanctify the flowing of the waters. Recall the appropriate legend about the unicorn, which by the touch of his horn purifies water. Then the awaiting animals can drink. This properly signifies the baptism of Christ. And so in sacred scripture, Christ is called a unicorn. But my horn shall be exalted like that of the unicorn, and my old age is plentifully, plentiful mercy. And the prophet speaks in the person of the church, saying, shall be exalted. Christ is like a unicorn because divinity and humanity in Christ make up only one horn, one person, in my old age. Note, just as the age of a man are seven, so also are there seven ages of human nature. Infancy was from Adam to Noah childhood from Noah to Abraham, adolescence from Abraham to Moses, youth from Moses to David, adulthood from David to Babylonian captivity, old age from Babylonian captivity to Christ, and decrepitude from Christ to the end of the world. 
See why he says, My old age is plentiful mercy, abundant, because now the mercy of God abounds, for all sins with respect to guilt are remitted in baptism. And also with respect to punishment, another text authority, Luke one sixty nine says, And he has raised up a horn of salvation to us. The horn of our salvation is the body of Christ. Today, the most pure unicorn touches the waters, so that by his touch he may confer a regenerative force for all others. Tell how Christ terminated and finished the purification of the old law, which took place through circumcision, and begins the purification of the new law, which happens through baptism. Christ is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the beginning of the new law and the end of the old law. For this reason, we Christians receive only baptism and not circumcision, because in Christ the sacraments of the old law have their end and term. God said to Abraham, walk before me and be perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and you. Between these two terms or forces, Abraham and Christ, the covenant of circumcision should endure for 2,000 years. The apostle says, behold, I, Paul, tell you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Whoever, therefore, wishes to be circumcised, follow the example of Christ, sins gravely. Why ought John be baptized? A second question is about this. That the theme text has John saying to Christ, I ought to be baptized by you. We might ask, why did St. John say this, since he was sanctified in the womb of his mother? Luke 1.15, the angel said to Zacharias, John's father, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Why then did John say to Christ, I ought to be baptized by you? I reply accordingly to the determination of the holy doctors that baptism places a character in the soul, a certain beautiful sign like a royal crown, which sign no one in paradise can have unless he be baptized. So neither Abraham nor Isaac nor Jacob nor David nor anyone of the Old Testament have this sign, nor also those 50 philosophers of St. Catherine of Alexandria who were killed without the baptism of water, although they were saved by the baptism of blood. Of the sign, the apostle says, believing you were signed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance. The pledge is the, is the down payment of the inheritance, like that which they give to the merchants. Therefore, therefore, although St. John had been sanctified in the womb of his mother, nevertheless, he did not have the character. Because of this, so that he might have it, he said to Christ, I ought to be baptized by you to receive this sign. And because he said, I ought... We have for certain that Christ baptized St. John and also the apostles and disciples. From apostolic authority, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he abode with them and baptized. But it is Saint John, said John 4 as if to the contrary, though, through, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. Augustine and the Gloss agree on this point when John, John says that and he was baptizing. The gloss says he was baptizing the disciples and apostles, though Christ did not baptize others. The disciples baptized others for the same reason. It is believed that Christ baptized the Virgin Mary, that she might have the sign of the crown. You know the difference between a crown and a tiara. The sign of the character is like a crown on its front. It has a band with the name Jesus. Lo, a lamb stood upon Mount Sion with him and hundred forty. 44,000 having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. Morally, because we Christians bear the name of Jesus written on our foreheads, beware lest we bring the name of the devil in our mouth, saying, In the devil's name, why did you do such and such? Take note of the, of the thief crying out, Jesus, and the devil crying out, Thieves, thieves. 
This is against those who don't know how to say anything without invoking the name of the devil. David in the Psalm 39, blessed is the man who trusts in the name of the Lord and does not speak the name of the devil. Why did the dove descend? The third question is about this. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him. Why? Because it is certain that Christ as man from the instant of his conception received the Holy Spirit, which never left him. Isaiah 61.1 and Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, wherefore he hath anointed me by grace at my conception. The response, the Spirit descended like a dove on him, not as if he had not had it before, or he was not in him, nor that he might confer at that moment a new grace as he would as he would coming on the apostle on the apostles on the day of Pentecost. And in Luke 135, he came upon the Virgin Mary, but to show us that the Holy Spirit descends on one who is baptized, and there he makes his dwelling as if his own if as if in his own temple. When someone before baptism, by habit at least, or by reality or vow, becomes the dwelling place of demons, and being baptized, he is exorcised to expel the demons. Morally, from the fact that once the Holy Spirit takes up his dwelling place in a creature, he never recedes from the creature unless he shows irreverence to him through mortal sin. He does not leave for venial sin. But when a man sins mortally, then he drives the Holy Spirit from himself and welcomes the devil. Oh, what an injury! to expel the king and to welcome a lecherous pimp. So scripture says, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of justice than after they have known it to turn back from the holy commandments which was delivered to them. For that of the true proverb has happened to them, the dog is returned to his vomit. And so the sow was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So children should be taught and nourished lest they hand over a mess to the Holy Spirit that dwells in them. See what parents ought to teach their children. Why did the voice speak? The fourth question is about this. A voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. It is asked why this voice has happened. Because it is certain that Christ did not begin then to be the son of God, because Christ eternally is the son of God. The authority of the Lord said to me, you are my son, today have I begotten thee. Note when he says here, today many days result from the interposition of night. If the sun hovered over us always, there would be only one day. In heaven there never is night, because God always invariably illuminates. The city has no need for the sun, nor of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God has enlightened it, and the Lamb the lamp thereof. When it is said, Today have I begotten thee in eternity, therefore why does the voice speak? Response, because the voice does not come for Christ, but for us, to show that in baptized we are made children of God, just as a man with his wife begets legitimate sons and daughters, so Christ begets children when the church his spouse, the seed is the word of God. Therefore, we Christians are all children of God, of the King Christ and the Queen of the church. It is otherwise before baptism. But after baptism, parents ought to consider themselves as nurses of the child of Christ the King. A woman shall be saved through childbearing, that is, by nourishing, if she continue in faith and love and sanctification. Behold, what manner of charity the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called and should be the sons of God. Morally, we are instructed that just as the sons of the king do not go to the brothel nor to the taverns, nor to the place where they play dice, so neither should Christians, otherwise they would become unworthy and not gain the inheritance of paradise." Why did the heavens open? The fifth question is about this. And the heavens were opened. It is asked why this? Because the heavens were always open to Christ. All things are naked and open to his eyes. 
I replied that the heavens were open not for his sake, but to show that the heavens are open to those who are newly baptized. It was otherwise before the coming of Christ, because for more than 5,000 years the heavens had been closed to mankind. The gates of paradise had been closed for all because of Eve, and through the Virgin Mary they had been opened again. And so children who died after baptism before they had sinned mortally immediately flew straight away to paradise, and they found heaven open. But about whom Christ said to the gatekeepers of paradise, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come to me, for the kingdom of heaven is for such. Some women err when they say that, that they bypass purgatory because of enduring a mother's pains. When he was in the midst of the captives by the river Chobar, the heavens were opened. Chobar means baptism. Morally, we are instructed lest we grieve for such children when they die, and should rejoice as if the king had taken your son into his court. Rather, you should weep for your lecherous adult children, the Apostle Paul writes, and we will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them that are asleep, innocently at rest, that you be not sorrowful, even as others who have no hope of resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Alrighty, <clears throat> so that will conclude for today's uh, sermon from St. Vincent Ferrer. It's a rather short one. Normally, it's about a 30-minute sermon. This one was about a 15-minute sermon. So there you go. Uh, it's really quite brilliant. Vincent Ferrer was a genius of a man and a saint. Uh, let's see. What am I forgetting? I'm forgetting something, right? So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything between, feel free to contact me. You can comment down below. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with someone that you think would benefit from hearing this sermon. Uh, let's see. What else? Or you can email me at FonsecaProduction at gmail.com. That's always available to you. And hmm, am I forgetting anything else? Um, no, I don't think so. So praise be to God. Let's close out in a Ave as usual, even though we already prayed one, we'll do a second one. No big deal. And I will see you next week. Oh, I can tell you what the topics that I'm working on are. That's what I'll do actually real quickly. So if you stuck all the way to the end, this is your treat. You get to get a sneak preview of other conversations I'm going to have. Are Catholics bound by the old law? That's going to be one topic. A response video to somebody who is attacking the quote-unquote rad trads. I might do a response video. Let me know. Do you think response videos are good, are fun, are interesting, are beneficial, or do you think they're divisive, bad, not good? Let me know. Uh, extra clays and Melusalus. I've been working on that one for a long time, but it's just so much information. I don't want to do it not justice, so I'm doing a lot of research. Um, I want to do a show on the metaverse we're going to be talking about because that's going to be huge very soon. So I want to do a lot of research on that. And I'm going to get my buddy Rudy Carlos with the Gladtrad podcast. We're probably going to do it together. And let's see. I already did a servant from the Epiphany, a beginning traditional Catholic guy. We talked about that at the beginning and explaining different church calendars. So those are the different topic ideas. If you have any other topic ideas that you want me to cover or to do some research for, uh, let me know, and I will be happy to get that uh, accomplished at some point. So let me know. Comment down below. Just shoot me an email. There you go. Praise be to God. And I'll see you next week. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventis tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.